You are now listening to Zikaek Podcast, proclaiming the gospel, Jesus as Savior, Sanctifier, Healer, and Coming King. A blessed Sunday to everyone. I am happy that you are joining us in this online worship service, and we are praying that the Lord is going to speak to us deep within our hearts, open our minds and understanding that we may be able to perceive and grasp what he has prepared for every one of us. And I am praying that as we listen to his word, he's going to speak to us and the spirit of God is going to steer deep within us what we would hear through our ears. So to start with, I would like us to look at the book of First Samuel. We will continue with our study in the book of Samuel. Now we are in the eighth chapter. First Samuel chapter 8, beginning with verse 1 up to verse 22. First Samuel chapter 8, verses 1 to 22. Now it came about when Samuel was old, that he appointed his sons as judges over Israel. The name of his firstborn was Joel, and the name of his second, Abijah. They were judging in Beersheba. His sons, however, did not walk in his ways, but turned aside after dishonest gain, and they took bribes and perverted justice. Then all the elders of Israel gathered together and came to Samuel at Ramah, and they said to him, Behold, you have grown old, and your sons do not walk in your ways. Now appoint as a king to judge us like all the nations." But the matter was displeasing in the sight of Samuel when they said, Give us a king to judge us. And Samuel prayed to the Lord. And the Lord said to Samuel, Listen to the voice of the people regarding all that they say to you. Because they have not rejected you, but they have rejected me from being king over them. Like all the deeds which they have done since the day that I brought them up from Egypt, even to this day. In that day, have, in that they have abandoned me and serve other gods. So they are doing us you, to you as well. Now then listen to their voice. However, you shall warn them strongly and tell them of the practice of the king who will reign over them. So Samuel spoke all the words of the Lord to the people who had asked him for a king. And he said, This will be the practice of the king who will reign over you. He will take your sons and put them in chariots for himself among his horsemen, and they will run before his chariots. He will appoint to himself commanders of thousands and commanders of fifties, and some to do his plowing, to gather in his harvest and to make his weapons of war and equipment for his chariots. He will also take your daughters and use them as perfumers, cooks, and bakers. He will take the best of your fields, your vineyards, and your olive groves and give them to his servants. And he will take a tenth of your seed and your vineyards and give it to his high officials and servants. He will also take your male servants and your female servants and your best young men and your donkeys and use them for his work. He will take a tenth of your flocks and you yourselves will become his servants. 
Then you will cry out on the day because your king, whom you have chosen for yourselves, but the Lord will not answer you on that day. Yet the people refused to listen to the voice of Samuel, and they said, No, but there shall be a king over us, so that we also may be like all the nations, and our king may judge us and go out before us and fight our battles. Now after Samuel had heard all these words of the people, he repeated them in the Lord's hearing. And the Lord said to Samuel, Listen to their voice and appoint a king for them. So Samuel said to the men of Israel, Go, every man, to his city. May the good Lord bless us upon the reading of his word. There was a time just within this year when a friend approached me and said to me, Pastor, can you please pray for me? And I asked the person, what's the problem? Is there any concern, anything that concerns and bothers you this time? He said to me, no, ex- not exactly, but just a concern. I am eyeing for a position in our company. Really? That's a good news. Let's pray for that. And the person said, yeah, please pray for me because I really like to have that position. So we started praying. Around two weeks later, he called me again. And he said, Pastor, how are you? I said, I'm fine. He said, there is something that bothers me this time. And I asked him, what is that thing? He said, that position that I have mentioned to you last two weeks ago. And I said, yes, I still remember. He said, my boss appointed someone already. And it's sad to tell you that it is not me. And I said, does it really bother you? Don't you love what you are doing right now, the position that you have, the thing that you are doing? He said to me, yes, I love what I am doing. But it just bothers me to think that I am a reject. I asked him, why do you say so? Why did you perceive it that way? He said, I feel that I am a reject because someone is perceived to be better than me for that position. When something is placed upon someone or when someone is put in a position that you are aiming, that you desire to have, and you were not given or the chance to serve in that kind of position, he said, you would feel rejected. A feeling of being rejected is something difficult to handle. I know and believe that at some point in your personal life, you already have experienced being rejected. Maybe when you were still a child, a small boy or a small girl, you were doing something, painting a picture on a paper, and then you presented that to your teacher or to a friend or to your parents, and you, you were expecting for an appreciation, but instead of getting what you were expecting, that was re- your painting, your picture, your drawing was rejected. Maybe you were growing up already as a man you eyed on someone who looked so gorgeous and beautiful and you decided to court the lady. But that lady, instead of accepting what you were offering, instead of saying yes to your proposal, 
that lady had someone else in mind and that lady rejected you. Or you may be already a professional, somebody who is looking for a job and just like that friend of mine who was aiming for that particular position and yet he was informed that someone else already was placed in that particular position. You and I are familiar about these realities, this experience, because we already have gone through experience being rejected at some point in our lives. During those days, in the text that we read, God was reigning as the king over Israel. This was a form of government, governance called theocracy. Wherein God is the one governing his children. He was giving orders. He was expecting them to commune with him. He was expecting them that out of their communication and communion, their actions will be fruits of those interactions. God was expecting that they will be faithful to him as he was faithful to them. It was a theocratic form of governance. God was serving as the king over Israel. And God's way of serving, leading the people was done with some representatives around them. During the time of Moses, Moses served like a representative of God. And then during the time of Joshua, Joshua communed with the Lord continually and God revealed what he wanted to happen for them. And Joshua, whatever he heard from the Lord, he passed it to the people and the people followed what God wanted. Though not all the time. Because there were several situations also that they did not follow God. But God was ruling over Israel. After Joshua, it was during the time of the judges in which Samuel was one of those judges. In fact, in one of my sermons in the past, I mentioned to you the father-in-law of Ruth. His father-in-law's name was Elimelech. If you look at the morphological um, issue of that word, root of that word, you would see it, two words that are combined together. The word El, which means God, and Melech, which means king. And so when you bring these two words together, Elimelech, it forms an idea that God is my king. So God was reigning as a king over Israel this time. Samuel as a representative during this, in the context of what he read, we read this, this time. Samuel was the representative of God, but he was growing old already. And so he appointed his two sons. He appointed his, appointed his two sons to judge at some circuits of Israel. But something happened. If you look at verse 1, it's telling us that he was old already, that he appointed his sons as judges also. The name of the firstborn son was Joel and the second was Abijah. They were judging at Beersheba. What happened next is this. In verse 3, history is about to be repeated. Why did I say that? We know that Samuel grew at the temple. It was Eli who nurtured him, who raised him up. Eli had his sons also. Eli was a priest serving in the temple, in the house of God. And Eli appointed his sons also to some responsibilities in the temple. But the problem was that his sons did not walk according to how he walked. His sons did not follow the Lord. 
And that history is about to be repeated in the life of Samuel. Samuel this time was growing old already. He was old in fact. And then he appointed his sons. But the problem was that his sons did not walk in his ways. They turned aside after dishonest gain. And they took bribes and perverted justice. Three things that I believe God hated also. God doesn't like dishonest gain. God doesn't like bribery. And God hates injustice. These people were perverting justice. They were supposed to be serving as judges. But the problem is that they are the roots or they are part of the injustices taking place. And so history is repeated in the lives of these people. Out of that scenario, the elders were looking at the sons of Samuel and they said, these guys are not actually walking as their father did. These guys are not good in making decisions because they are into bribery. They perverted justice. They are not doing good in terms of the position that they have. And so out of that scenario, the elders of Israel gathered. They went to Samuel and listened to what they said. Behold, you are old. If you will be, if that word, you are serving as a judge, and that word will be addressed to you, you are old. And that's kind of, very critical because it may be taken in a negative sense that they may say to you the next part of that line will be someone else must take your place and so Samuel listened to them I was wondering if this was really the reason the incapability of the sons of Samuel to judge I was wondering if it was really the reason why they wanted something they went to Samuel and said, Behold, you, are, you have grown old. Your sons do not walk in your ways. Now appoint us a king. Listen. They gave two reasons. Two reasons why they wanted a king. First reason, Samuel is growing old or he's old already. Second reason is that their sons were not walking in God's Intentions, according to God's intentions. Well, they sound so valid. They sound so valid. Those reasons may sound so valid. But I am wondering, is this really or are these really the reasons why they wanted a king? Because in the first place, is judging really a part of the king's responsibility? Well, there are many times that we could see in the history of in the scriptures that the king was making or doing a, um, what is this, a session with the people trying to decipher the right decision to be made. And those were parts of, what is this, the exercises and the practices that they had. But was it really the practice? Because in the first place, they did not have a human king yet during this time because it was God who was reigning as king over Israel. And in fact, I look at the Mosaic law. Something that they followed during this time. If you look at the Mosaic law, you look at Deuteronomy chapter 16 verse 18. There is a provision there that they must appoint judges in every city. In other words, you don't have to rely to the king 
so that decisions about problems and issues, issues of life will be made. You are to appoint judges in the cities. But these guys, the elders of Israel, went to Samuel and gave those two reasons. Actually, what they were proposing here is a shift of governance. As I have mentioned to you, the way of governance in Israel back then was theocracy. But they were proposing something to shift into monarchy. And what happened next here is that they pushed further the statement. We want you to appoint a king. Even if it's actually possible to have judges in the cities without a king, they wanted a king. Was this really the reason? I was wondering about this matter. Are this really the reason First Samuel is growing old already? That his sons are incapable because they don't walk according to the ways of, of Samuel? Are this really the reason why they wanted to have a king appointed to rule over them? There is another line in the statement that they said to Samuel. Listen to this. And I think this is the main reason why they wanted a king. We're still in verse 5. And they said to him, Behold, you have grown old, reason one. And your sons do not walk your ways in your ways, reason two. Now appoint us a king. Listen to this. Like all the nations. Appoint us a king like all the nations. Because when they look around them, in each nation there was a human king reigning over them. The Israelites were looking at their neighbors and they felt envious about them. They wanted to be like them, which is exactly the, the, the opposite of what God desired for his people. Because what was God desiring for his children is that as he mentioned to Abraham when he called him, go to this land that I am promising to you because you are going to be a great nation. And through you, through that nation that I'm going to build through you, nations around you will be blessed. You are supposed to be a unique nation. A unique nation where God is the one ruling as a king. But the Israelites here were looking at their surroundings, were looking at their neighbors, and they were saying, we want to be like them. It's the exact opposite of what God desires. If I'm going to imagine about this matter, sometimes I think about the Christian life and I say, we are to become the blessings of the Lord, a light of God to the people around us so that as they look at us, as they mingle with us, as they engage with us, they would see the light in us and someday they will come to be like us because we are influencing them. And yet the other way around happens often. often. What happens often is that we look around our neighbors, the people around us, and we discover one, one point in our life that that person influences us. That person influences us. Okay, sana kung sa kabutihan. The Israelites said to Samuel, Behold, you are old already. I was wondering if that was the reason. Your sons are not walking in your ways. I was wondering if that was the reason. Appoint as a king, just like 
all the nations. They wanted the exact opposite of what God desired for them. And that matter displeased Samuel. But the matter displeased, was displeasing in the sight of Samuel when they said, give us a king to judge us. Well, naturally, he would be disappointed with that statement. Because that's actually a rejection of him in that position. They were actually not just rejecting his sons to judge because they were incapable. But the request for a king to judge over Israel was their way of saying, we want you out because we want someone to do the judging over Israel. His sons were rejected. Samuel was rejected. That is why the text mentioned it clearly that Samuel was disappointed. Samuel was displeased when they said, give us a king to judge us. And so Samuel brought this thing to the Lord. And when he brought this thing to the Lord, God said to Samuel, now listen to their voice. Listen to their voice. The voice of the people. Hindi pasikat yung statement dito na vox pupuli, vox day. But they were already acting as if they are the ones ruling over their lives. And now they were demanding for a king. When Samuel communicated this thing to the Lord, you know what God said? Samuel, listen to their voice. I can see in your heart that you felt rejected. I can see that you felt that your children were rejected. But actually, Samuel, with that manner, that thing that they have asked for, they are not rejecting you. They are rejecting me. They are rejecting me. And I am wondering what kind of emotions that could have been when you as a king, the one reigning over the lives of your people, individuals whom you save out of Egypt, now they are rejecting you as a king because they want someone else to take your place. God said in verse 8, verse 7, listen to the voice of the people regarding all that they say to you because they have not rejected you but they have rejected me from being king over them. Like all the deeds which they have done since the day that I brought them up from Egypt, even to this day. God brought them out of Egypt. God protected them. God provided for their needs. But these people kept on rejecting God, not only once, several times. God embraced them. God loved them. God protected them. But they kept on rejecting him because they kept on running to other gods. I was actually asking the question, how can someone kept running after someone who kept on rejecting him? How could that be? Try rejecting someone, a neighbor. I tell you, that neighbor will not talk to you forever. Try rejecting someone close to your heart. I tell you, there will be a silent war for weeks. I know and believe, human as we are, this is something so profound that our minds cannot fathom. How can someone 
kept on running after someone who kept on rejecting him. But God kept on running after Israel. And this time he told Samuel, Samuel, I was rejected already many times by these people. You feel that your sons were rejected? You feel that you are rejected? They're actually not rejecting you. They are rejecting me. And that is so intense. The emotion deep within that flows in this narrative is so intense. But God told Samuel, warn them strongly about this. Because if they want really a king, that king that will take my place is going to do these things to them. Now look at these verses. Beginning with verse 11, I want us to notice the proportional spacing here. Beginning at verse 11 up to verse 17, you would see the number of verses that was utilized by the author to enumerate the things, the kind of leadership, the kind of king that they would have. Look at verse 11 and 12. He will take your sons and have them work for him. You want a king in my place? This king that you wanted is a king who takes. The word he will take, the statements he will take was repeated several times in verses 11 to 17. What will he do? He will take your sons and have them work for him. He will also take your daughters and they will work for him. Verse 13. In verse 14, he will take the best of your fields, your vineyards, and your olive groves and give them to his servants. Verse 15. He will take a tenth of your seed and your vineyards and give it to his high officials and his servants. Verse 16. He will also take your male servants and your female servants and your best young men and your donkeys and use them for his work. Verse 17, he will take a tenth of your flocks. And verse, last part of verse 17, you yourselves will be his servants. So Samuel just re-echoed this to the people of Israel. He told them, and I believe in the heart of Samuel, he was expecting that as they would hear those kind of characteristics or the scenario or the picture of having this new king over them, they would change their mind. But there could be no more frustrating than receiving the response of the people after you told them about the negative things that's going to happen. Because when Samuel told them about these matters, those he will take, he will take, he will take, he will take. After they heard about those who will take, he will take statement. You know what they said? Look at verse 18, 19. He said to Samuel, no, no. We want a king. And listen to that line. Like the other nations. After they heard the possible scenario, and this is not just a little possibility, but this is really going to happen because this prediction came from God himself. He knows what's going to happen next. This is going to be a real picture as soon as you would have this new king. After Samuel related it to them, you know what they said? Instead of changing their minds, they said, no, 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 no. We want a king. 
with that statement, we want you to appoint a king over us. They were actually making a confirmation about the rejection of the kingship of God. These people rejected the kingship of God over them. Despite the fact that this new king will take their sons, will take their daughters, will take a tenth of their produce, will take almost everything from them in different aspects of life, they still wanted, they chose this king. You know, listening to this kind of scenario or seeing, reading this kind of scenario that is written in the text, as we look at the emotions, as we look at the events taking place, it creates something deep within inside us. Nasa Tagalog pa, nakakainis naman tong mga taong to. Who would not be feel that inis, feeling that inis deep within? If you have seen these people making decisions not objectively, they were actually showing stubborn hearts. You would feel that deep within you as you look at them rejecting their God despite the benefits, despite the beauty of having God as their king. Nakakainis. But have you not thought that this picture sometimes presents our image? Because there are times in this life in our time, that we reject the kingship of God over us. Because there are many times we feel that the real king is us. We don't consult the Lord. We don't depend on the Lord to protect us. We don't depend on the Lord to provide for us. And no, though we don't shout at him, we want a king as if when we make our decisions away from him, when we think of our minds, our imagination without him in a picture, actually the real thing is that we feel that many times we are the king. And by doing such a thing, we are rejecting the kingship of God over us. We may have a different situation from the Israelites. But we have also at one point in life rejected him, his kingship over us. Bring back the kingship of God in your life, my friend. The Israelites, when they were presented with those options, God is reigning as king over you. This is going to be the kind of king that you are asking for. Choose for yourselves. Which one do you like? And surprisingly, the people chose this human king. The king who takes. But for me, I will choose my king. I will choose God as my king. The Israelites chose the king who takes. I will choose the king who gives. Looking at those repeatedly mentioned statements, he will take, he will take, he will take. I pen this down about my king. Israel chose a king who takes, I choose a king who gives. The Israelites chose a king that took their sons, but my king gave his son. Their sons and daughters were taken to work for him, but my king 
did it all for me. Their king took the best of their fields, but my king did his best in all the fields. Their king took their vineyards, but my king brought me into his vineyard. Their king took things from them and gave them to his servants. My king owns everything and called me to be a part of his service. Their king took a tent of their seeds. My king provided for all my seeds and made all the produce out of those seeds. Their king took their olive groves and gave them to his royal officials. My king brought me into his palace, made me his heir, and called me to royal priesthood. Their king, their king took their servants and their donkeys for his work. But listen, my king called me to enjoy the fruits of his work at the cross. Their king will take a tenth of their flocks. My king, my king will never do that for I am a part of his fold. Their king will be the recipient of their service. My king came to serve, not to be served. I choose to live under the banner of my king. I choose to give my allegiance to my king who died for me. I choose Jesus, the one who chose me. He is my king and I would live my life for him. The Israelites made their choice. They chose, they chose the king who takes. But as for me, as for me, I choose God as my king. And I will continue to live this life that I have to honor and worship and praise and bring glory to that king who gives. I don't know with you. Make your choice. Will you choose the king who takes or will you embrace the king who gives? The choice is yours. God bless us all. Before I lead in the closing prayer, I would like to encourage you that there in your respective homes, after this video or this online worship ends, gather your family and ask this question. If Jesus is my king, how will it affect my life? Again, gather your family with you and let each one share his own answer to that question. A personal question. A reflective question. If Jesus is my king, how will it affect my life? Shall we bow down our heads for prayer? Our dear Heavenly Father, forgive us if there are times in life that we live this life as if no one is leading us. As if we are the king. And we know how chaotic it would be if each person would live within that kind of system, a system of anarchy. But Lord, you are our king. And I pray that this would exemplify in our lives. Thank you. Because when we look at the scriptures, we have a king who, who gives. You have given so much. You have given, given us what we need in life. You have given us family. You have given us friends. And more than anything else, you have given us your son, Jesus. 
you have given us eternal life. You have given us a family. Thank you. And we continue to honor you because you have been there for us, right by our side. Our King is someone who does not leave us alone. Our King walks with us daily. Our King embraces us when we are afraid, when we are anxious. Our King takes care of us. Our King leads us through even the wilderness. Our King holds our hands and takes us, Lord God, even if it's difficult in this moment of trying time moments. Lord, we know and believe that you are holding our hands, leading us through, walking with us. And if we look back as the footprints of the sand on the sand says, when we look back and we don't see a set of footprints, it's just a set there. It's you carrying us. We are not walking alone. You are always there. Our King, our King is with us. And so Lord, I pray that your children would have more and more confidence as we face even this difficult situation because we have you with us. We entrust to you all that we are in the name of the Lord Jesus, our King. Amen and amen. You just heard a message from Zamboanga City Alliance Evangelical Church. We hope that it will help you in your journey with the Lord Jesus Christ. For more updates, you can follow us in our social media platforms in Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram at Zekaek Ministries. God bless!